go. There we go. Now we have three. Look at that. Ooh. So stupid. All right, so we're going through that again. What's the what's the game plan here? <laughs> go through it even faster this time. It'll be All like right. uh, we need to start the fire. There we go. Welcome to the Citizens Not Sound Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Landemeyer. With me as always, James O'Hara. Hello. Sean Hogan. Hi. Yeah. We definitely haven't done this twice in the last 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but you can hear James this time. Yeah. You can hear James this time. I kind of want to listen to the other recording of this where it's just Sean and I awkwardly talking around silence. <laughs> well, the other thing is I feel like I talk more than you two. So it'll yeah, be yeah. very long yeah. silence. <laughs> With like some random weird sounds, and then just like, yeah, I mean, uh, what we would do with it, and then it's like, that's it. And just Sean um, thinking that he broke uh, the Home Alone news out of out of his <laughs> mind, like conversation that's going on in his head. I mean, <laughs> weird there. See, Sean, you didn't have to bring that up, then nobody would have known that you didn't know that there was a new Home Alone sh- coming eventually. <laughs> oh no! But then I couldn't do this again. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. There go. All right, now everything is fine. All right, so the last time we recorded was like right after the All-Star break, after the trade deadline stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. So since then... The Nats went 1-80. and 80. Yeah, that's did terribly, but didn't lose 100 games. Uh, Josiah Gray looked okay. Caber Ruiz looked pretty good. Uh, Riley Adams looked pretty good, especially for somebody who was traded for from Brad Hand, who sucked. John Lester betrayed us by doing well in St. Louis, which sucked, and I was glad the Cardinals got eliminated quickly because that's what he deserves. Uh, But from that trade, Lane Thomas has exploded and had an awesome August and September uh, and kind of pushed Victor Robles to Rochester and AAA. Robles did do well in Rochester, uh, but it remains to be seen. uh, You know, we'll talk about that later about, you know, what Lane and uh, Victor's roles are going to have to be going forward. Carter Keboom looked even worse than expected, and he was not expected to be good. Luis Garcia looked about as bad as expected, so still a shot he could you know, be a good contributor, but who's to say for sure? Alcides Escobar somehow continued to play decently and got himself another $1 million contract. Juan Soto threatened to be MVP for a little bit, but it looks like He'll probably just come short uh, in a group of three with him, Bryce Harper and Fernando Tatis Jr., which is funny that it's the three of them since none of their teams made the playoffs. It's kind of surprising for an MVP race. Uh, He also almost won the batting title, but then kind of gave up that on the last week of the season to his good friend Trey Turner, uh, but did celebrate with him by going. Juan Soto went to the wildcard game for the Dodgers wearing a Trey Turner Nationals jersey. Kevin Long was there. And a Max Scherzer Nationals jersey, which is ironic because he is now a the hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, the Nats hired a new hitting coach whose name I don't remember. Um, so he's probably not important until it's time to fire him. And uh, Ryan Zimmerman might have played his last game as a Washington National. Still up in the air, but he did at least get the nice round of applause post, you know, in game, get pulled randomly in the middle of the game, kind of pomp and circumstance. So, yeah. And then moving on to the postseason, uh, we have the we have the Braves and the Astros in the World Series. We did get the catharsis of the Dodgers getting knocked out, uh, regardless of buying everyone at the trade deadline. 
Um, I kind of support people buying everyone at the trade deadline now that nobody else seems to want to do it. Uh, <laughs> especially as a, as a team that was trying to sell everybody at the trade deadline. We need people who will buy. It's fair. Yep. But now that the Nats, once the Nats are good again, are looking to buy the trade deadline, hopefully nobody else does anymore. <laughs> they all realize the folly. So, yeah, Braves Astros is a terrible World Series. I don't think anybody should watch it unless, for some reason, you're a fan of those two teams. I should have said Atlanta, not their team nickname, which sucks. Uh, so, but if you do want to watch and choose a team between the two of them, I would say that the team that committed. Uh, that is anti-baseball is better than the, still better than the team that is anti-human. So uh, the very slight lesser, you know, pretty big lesser of two evils there. Uh, you can definitely excuse some crimes against baseball. You definitely should not be excusing racism. So uh, and Atlanta still makes the chop a very prominent part of their game day experience. Uh, it's not just some rogue fans doing it. You know, the team is egging it on in the stadium. They have like a whole display where they're turning off the lights and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Rob Manfred tried to, dis uh, I think yesterday, like right before game one, tried to defend it by basically saying that MLB is a regional sport, uh, which was great is it was essentially saying that, you know, Cleveland had to change their name to the Guardians because Cleveland is a nice progressive town that's anti-racism but sadly atlanta is in georgia and it's you know still racist they have a lot of white racist fans and you know they're not going to like the team if it doesn't if it's not still pretty racist so they can't change the name there yet it's a market decision uh not a national one it was a bold strategy from what he said i was like that's that's a statement that's something that you said on purpose out of your mouth so well, it's interesting. Like, it, it was a new. I feel like it was a new stance for Manfred because I don't think he had ever taken really uh, any sort of stance on on the team names before. And if anybody asked him about either Cleveland or Atlanta, it was always just a you know that's something to think about. You know, discuss with the the ownership, the local. You know, we're always thinking, we're always discussing or whatever. So it was really weird that he he came so hard on it this time as like no nope, you know that's just it makes sense there so we're gonna keep it so uh how many of his pr guys like quit as he was giving those comments i assume if you're making a statement like that that is what your pr guys wanted so i guess mlb must have some internal polls that say more fans like racism that don't like it so go pro racism some interesting polling I don't know, I've been on Twitter and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what polling said. It's true. I mean, you know, don't don't think about what the right thing is to do. Just do what the polling says to do. That's what I always say. <laughs> so let's run down the uh, the Nats roster next year. Um, O'Hara, you put out a question. Uh, sometime here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, which was a very valid one of how many people are actually locked into a position mm -hmm. for the nationals next year, including the starting rotation. Right. Well, and then 
the the problem is then you have to consider the the injuries as well because you would probably say if you're locking people in you know Strasburg would be a lock but we have no idea whether he's actually going to be ready to pitch or not um let's go with if they're healthy let's let's take that stance not right, let's just, not assume everybody cuz Will Harris would be the only uh Will Harris and Joe Ross would be the I think Ross since he didn't have to have surgery will probably be ready but uh, Harris and Strasburg, both with their thoracic outlet syndrome uh, surgeries. I think their medical timeline would be that they could be ready there. But, you know, we've seen with a lot of other cases of people who had thoracic outlet, you know, pitchers that it just because the medicals say they're ready to go does not mean yeah. they're ready to pitch. Um, but I would say, you know, Strasburg, Harris would be locks. Uh, Juan Soto would be a lock. Josh Bell would be a lock. If he's there. What do you mean? If he's not traded. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. I don't think, and we can talk about it more. I think they're going to have enough money around, unless they just decide they don't want to be competitive for a while, which would be a weird choice. They have enough money. They have way enough money to build up most of the way this year, uh, try to sort out a little bit more of their prospects of, you know, who's, Who's good? Who's bad? Get rid of the bad ones, and then you know, ident- fix their their last couple holes next season. Um, I, I think their timeline is still that they have to be competitive in these last three seasons while they still have one Soto. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, it's it's a tight window. I think it would be asking a lot for them to be really good or to be good next season, just because they're rebuilding the entire pitching staff. Um, but I think you can do a lot on the offensive side this offseason, get a little bit on the pitching, and then figure out the pitching more next offseason. Um, but back to locks. Uh, so, I mean, I would consider Josh Bell to still be a lock to be here. I don't think he's somebody they would trade because he's on that same... He's on a similar timeline as Juan Soto is. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd say Strasburg, Soto, Bell, Will Harris, if he was healthy, but you know, who knows? Um, and Lane Thomas. I think that's it in terms of people I would say were oh and uh Cable Ruiz. And mm-hmm. I would say I you know, I would say between Riley Adams and Trace Barrera, you have your backup catcher. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I think those are what else. seven seven people who, if they were healthy and ready opening day, you would lock in based on their merits. I think you'd have to add an eighth in Patrick Corbin, uh, who there's just no way they're going to... So it, You have to think of it either, one, if they do manage to trade him, which would be nice, I hate him, um, they're going to have to pay almost his entire salary. So it's still, you know, when you're thinking of how to build out this team in the offseason, you're still going to have to basically include his full salary. Because uh, I, I don't know who you would get to trade for Corbin and take on all of the salary considering his last two seasons. Um, and I think it's more likely that they just end up having him stay here because the upside of what you could get for like three or four million dollars that you'd actually be able to save versus what he could do if he actually remembered how to pitch. Uh, the, the Corbin side is definitely higher. Uh, it'd be it'd be hard pressed to find 
somebody for three, four million dollars that could hit that upside of Patrick Corbin or would have a high enough floor that you could say, okay, this is a more reliable pick. Uh, I think at, at that rate, you're you're still buying somebody who could be just as bad as Corbin's worse. So um, I think he's going to be your eighth guy. That's kind of you know for sure locked in. Uh, from there, I think you can start really arguing uh, some of these bullpen guys. Uh, whether you want to see Joe Ross, oh Josiah Gray, yeah. I'll I'll say he's mm-hmm. probably a lock. So that's nine. So you've um, got three starters, a reliever. First baseman, a right fielder, uh, Lane Thomas. We're slotting into uh, Lane Thomas. <laughs> Lane who, Thomas. I mean, he could be a center. He could be left. He could also. I mean, I would say your ideal situation would be that Lane Thomas is kind of everywhere. Yeah, um, he's your he's your, he's your super sub. Yo, he's played a little bit. He played some infield in the minors. He also played a little bit of infield with the Cardinals. And played like one game, I think, at second base for the Nationals when they had a bunch of like random like injuries and an ejection or something in one game. He's your Roy um, Kent. So, yeah, he could be here and there and every fucking where. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would say your ideal situation would be Victor Robles comes back and can finally put everything back together again and have a good enough year at the plate to be your starting center fielder. Uh, and that opens up Lane Thomas to be somebody who starts, you know, a game in corner outfield, a game in the infield, a game in center field. When it's like a particularly tough lefty pitching, uh, he's also if you go get, you know, a masher like Kyle Schwarber or somebody back for your corner outfield spot, Lane Thomas can be your guy who comes in every game in the seventh inning that you're winning to play that outfield position and can play defense and. Well, way better than the masher, but also, you know, he's a good enough hitter that you're not going to be sad every time he comes back up in the, if he has to come back up in the order or you're not pulling a bunch of double switch shenanigans to try to get him as far away from, you know, similar, you know, that was one of the problems where they had Wilmer Defoe when he was kind of their, their big sub on the infield uh, is just that if you actually ended up with him at bat, then you weren't feeling very good. So, especially like to end the series, series yeah. yeah like the, indeed, at the end of the, the NLDS in 2016. That was fun. Where he was up to bat. I think that time, actually, he was a pinch hitter for the pitcher. Yeah, because he was the last double, bat double switches Dusty did. That was. I look back at that game recently, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see why you would have fired Dusty. <laughs> After that one in the 2017 NLDS, which was not quite as bad because the 2017 really more came down to the one missing that, you know, that he could have asked for a specific review of the rule book to, to catch that Matt, uh, Matt Wieters was hit on the backswing. And I think it was Javi Baez or whoever should have been called out um, on the wild pitch. But the 2016 one there, if you like look at the play by play, it's just like, everything we hammered Davey Martinez for a lot where like you bring in a reliever and you do like this elaborate move to bring in that reliever. And then you immediately take him out like an out or two later before having to do that elaborate move work was necessary. It's like, well, why did you do that? Um, so it, you know, have some sort of foresight and planning. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would say you have nine locks and then everybody else is 
every other position, left field, shortstop, third base, second base, uh, backup infielder. I know they have this LCD's Escobar under contract, but it's only a million dollars. Um, uh, uh, TJ, I think uh, to both catchers, I think was something we didn't say where you have locked in already. Yeah, the entire catcher position. Entire catcher position, which is really nice because that's something that they have not had for a little while. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. All right. So uh, I guess the the first thing we should do is try and uh, fill some of these holes, particularly in a starting lineup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a hundred... Six million. I kind of I did the math earlier, uh, but I also included uh, Victor Robles and Tanner Rainey and a couple of. If you include Robles, Rainey, Escobar, uh, Finnegan, and like I think one other reliever, like a Mason Thompson, that, that are all like gonna make league minimum or very low arbitration salaries that leaves you about 106 million dollars uh before you would hit the cap for the competitive balance tax i would assume their target would be so the competitive balance tax uh assuming no significant changes in this upcoming cba negotiation would be 210 million i would say that they would probably aim for at least 10 million below that maybe even 15 so like 195 to to 200 million. So that would put you at around 90, I would say probably 90, $95 million somewhere in that range to, to spend. If you're going to try to get all the way back up. Ooh, let's spend somebody else's money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. so that'd be about 90. It will, unfortunately it's 90 million. It sounds like a lot. And then it's like for 100 holes. It's like for 13 positions. I think we had like 13 people named, as lock as either locks are very likely on the roster. Uh, then you have 13 more holes, and that's not including if you take Will Harris and Steven Strasser back off for probably going to be injured at the start of the season, or if you decide that Patrick Corbin will totally be traded. Uh, so, all right. So, Sign a shortstop. Okay, let's, let's start in the infield because <laughs> yeah. basically. We have a first baseman. <laughs> yeah, you have a first baseman, and that's it. Uh, and it, it I think we strategy. talked about it at the trade deadline that you know what you really wanted to see, which they didn't, was that either one or bo- ideally both of Luis Garcia and Carter Keboom take advantage of kind of being the the guy, getting to play full time, not having to worry that if they make a mistake, they get pulled. Uh, and really kind of take over those positions because then, you know, if you had Keyboom penciled in at third, Garcia at second, Bell at first, like Sean said, all you'd be looking to do, you know, number one, get a shortstop and oh, hey, look at that. There's like five shortstop, elite shortstops as free agents this year. So you'd have a very good chance. I mean, Corey Seager, Javi Baez, uh, Trevor Story, I think Marcus Semien's also a free agent. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's one more that I'm forgetting. Carlos, did you say Correa? Oh, Carlos Correa. Yeah, yeah. I just always throw him out because I think he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> but he could be our asshole. He could be our <laughs> asshole, I guess. Uh, yeah, so you have those five. You'd also, I don't know, you, a very long shot of somehow 
convincing the Dodgers to send Trey Turner back to us, depending on how he actually fits into what they plan to do. Oh, tri- did you get Trevor's story too? Yeah, I did say Trevor. Okay, story. good. What yeah. a story, Mark. Indeed. So they, there's definitely a lot of options at shortstop. Um, I would say Keeboom, you can't. Uh, Keeboom did so badly, you can't even. I wouldn't even try to do the move they did the last two years where he's like penciled in, but also there's Josh Harrison or somebody behind him. Uh, I, I think Keeboom's kind of have to be just he's a minor leaguer at best. I don't think you could be putting him on the roster at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis Garcia, on the other hand, I would say could probably get that treatment of you'd say tentatively he's the starter, but we have somebody pretty good behind him. Whether you decide that that's actually LCD's Escobar or not, um, I think I think you could probably roll with Garcia and Escobar as kind of your two at at second base, and you know, emergency situation, Lane Thomas maybe moves to second base, and you you know get Robles is starting at center field, and you know some bigger guy, you know, heavy dude playing left field, and you know I, I think you'd have options that way. Um, but I think at this point now they're looking at an entirely new left side of the infield, having to try to pull in a shortstop and a third baseman. All right. So then shortstop, you just said we have, you know, all of the shortstops in the world. Yes. Where are you going? Uh, I mean, I kind of want to say Trevor's story because, but he's, I feel like he's too old of that group. He's um, 29 or he turns yeah, so 29. He's like the same age much. as Trey Turner. What he's are like his the same total age. away splits? So I, I just don't know if story really fits into the window as well as, you know, what, uh, you know, the window they're trying to build here um, as, well, and I'd say Javi Bias is pretty much the same exact age. Stories um, home away splits are bad both this year and career. Like, yeah, great. <laughs> so I mean, I'd probably look more towards uh, Corey Seager. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably the most talented of them. He's close to the youngest, I think. Da, da, da. I think Correa is the youngest. Yeah, Correa is, youngest. is just barely younger. Uh, but Seager and Correa are born the same year. Okay. It's April and Korea is September. So Korea is a, a baseball year younger. Um, but I mean, I, I just could not take having to have Carlos Correa on the nationals. That would probably be at least two full years of just booing him every time he came to the plate before I finally was like, fine, whatever. Um, Seager is the only thing, unfortunately, Seager is very injury prone is Older brother was is also very, was also very injury prone, um, and if Kyle Seager was any good this year, I would totally just say sign Corey and Kyle to be your <laughs> shortstop and third baseman for next year. But Kyle was not good at all. So was he worse than Carter Keeboom? No. He was better than That's Kyle awesome. Carter Keeboom, but that he was one of the people who that was a legitimate bar that he is like, oh, I, it would be nice if the bar was set there because I can clear that bar. I don't know if I could clear other bars. That bar is low enough, you will trip on it. Also, Wait, I thought just, that he had a, just low enough he can get over He hit 35 home runs this year. 
Yeah, he hit 35 home runs, but his on-base percentage was 285. Hey, two, 2.5 <laughs> like, F1. I, I mean. don't know how many hitters I can look it up, but I feel like there are very few hitters who have a, who hit 35 home runs and also have an OPS plus of exactly 100. That's like a Luis Valbuena numbers. Yeah. Or uh, like so, Pedro Alvarez back in the day. Okay, so I'm yeah, actually I, looking at these Trevor Story numbers now out on Trevor Story. Yeah. 220 points of OPS difference between home and away. No, yikes. thank you. <laughs> Grande yikes. For um, his career. Yeah, and I was going to... Javi Baez, it did look like initially when he was traded for by the Mets that he would probably not make the market because uh, he was really excited about playing with Francisco Lindor. Uh, we knew the Mets had the money and it would be pretty nice to lock up, you know, just move Baez to second and lock up that as their middle infield combo. But then Baez did badly, then gave a thumbs down to the fans, and then nobody Jeez. really noticed for a little while, then finally explicitly said why they were doing it. <laughs> uh, and kind of came off as a pretty big asshole. So I'd sign him uh, just and, and the Mets completely collapsed and didn't make the playoffs. So I don't think they're too excited in, in terms of trying to bring Baez back now. So no. I could see him for the Nats. Um He'd bring a lot better defense than they've had at shortstop in a while. And he'd be at least exciting. Like he's uh, especially base running and defensively. And I mean, you know, he hits home runs and stuff too, but you know, even if he's not like performing a hundred percent, like he makes those crazy tags and, you know, slides around the, you know, the tag, it's something where like, if the team doesn't bounce back, it could at least give people something to root for. You know, yeah. Other than just a blob at shortstop. And he's yeah, still decent defensively. I know he's not like gold glove caliber. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he's got good tags. I, I'd say the one thing is he didn't really hit that well this season. So um, Much better than last year, though. Right, but those two together. And actually, I looked at Corey Seager's number again, and I, I, I could sort of take Corey Seager, or Kyle Seager if you want to just make an infield of Seagers. I don't know if they'd actually want to play with each other or not. It's an interesting question. You might, might might as well just ask them. But uh, I'd be happy to be the Washington Seegers. The the Bob Seegers. So. All right. So Corey Seeger, what kind of number are we looking at? Uh, I mean, he's obviously going to be. I mean, anyone who gets this at the shortstop position is going to be looking at the Francisco Lindor deal. As yeah, kind of the get. So look at Seager. 40 for 10 or something like that. Okay. Yeah, so like 34 average. I mean, Anthony Rendon got, what, $35 million per year? I think so. Yeah, he got the Strasburg deal. Absurd. Just. Oh, uh, yeah, right. And Strasburg's 35, yeah. Uh, I kind of wonder like, what just he because has, he's been hurt so much. Yeah. He's had two significant injuries. He only played 26 games in 2018. Uh, only played 95 games this year. Uh, but even then in the season, the other seasons, you know, only 134 in 2019, 145 in 2017, 2016 and 2020 were the only times he was within 10 games of playing a full season of games. So uh, 
And that kind of shows you also two major injuries plus a number of minor injuries that's not allowing him uh, to get to you know full seasons completely. Uh, that would definitely already, lower it a little bit. Sorry, say again? Is it he's also sort of trending down defensively in that like he may turn into a third baseman pretty soon. Which isn't the end of the world, right. you know. It's not like you got to put it but at first. The, I mean, the positive though is his offense has been awesome the last two seasons. Uh, I mean, one fifty OPS plus one forty five when he played this year, uh, one fifty last year. So, I mean, he's definitely going to hit enough. And he, even if his defense trended down enough that you had to move him to third base, if he keeps hitting to those levels, he gladly take that even at third base. Yeah, that's playing good. And he's still um, young enough that he's not. So I, I could see probably like thirty-one million for seven years. You know, maybe he'd probably look for eight. So he's coming into his age twenty-eight season, so, so he'd probably want to get to like thirty-six. So I would say like an eight-year. So Bleacher Report, I mean, grain of salt here, is predicting eight for two eighty, which is thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would probably say. I would say if you're going to go to eight years, that it would probably be a little less than thirty-five per, but not much. It would still be like thirty-two, thirty-three. So eight for like two fifty, two fifty-five. Yeah, I would say there. eight two fifty-six. Okay. So that All would right. be thirty-two million out of your ninety. So that would leave you with fifty-eight. Um, Kyle Seeger would be a lot cheaper. I, at this point, I've talked myself into it. I want both Seegers. I didn't even uh, look who is a free agent at third base this year. Is there somebody better? So, not really. Do we want to include club options? Uh, no, because club option Jose Ramirez is staying where he is. Oh, yeah, he's off the list. Um, how much is that club option? The Guardians don't really like, have much, it's like 10 million. I mean, it's that's like a half of their payroll, but it's yeah, it's it's not it's or it's like twelve. It's it's something low enough that like if they can't if they don't want to pick it up, they'll trade him to somebody that does. You know, they're not going to decline it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Nolan Arenado can opt out. I think he I already think said he, he already not. said he was not. Yeah. Okay. So he he's off the, the list. Kyle not Seager gone. has a club option. Yeah, I think. They aren't picking it up based on his last game of the season where he took third base and tearfully walked off the field. Okay. And also, they've had a poor relationship the last couple of years. Uh, then moving down, we have Chris Bryant, Eduardo Escobar, Wilmer Flores has a club option, and Jonathan VR. And you get to Matt yeah. Duffy, Michael Franco. Like So, I mean, he, he's probably going to be like the second best. Oh, Eduardo Escobar, maybe. Discord or maybe if you can, well if you play Chris Taylor there, he could probably. Yeah. Although it depends on how much you're buying into. Yeah, Eduardo Chris Taylor has been pretty decent. So I, I could say I could see Kyle, especially since he's the oldest one of him, Bryant and Escobar, yeah. uh, being the third, third one there, and hopefully you know Bryant, being a former MVP, would take up a lot of the oxygen. Um, and you'd kind of see you could kind of sneak in for a lower deal with Kyle Seeger, maybe something around like four for eighty or so. 
Like 20 well, million and that's one that you would hope that you could almost get it done before. Yeah, that's uh, 20 years. It's only be 34. Done. So I would yes. say, if, yeah, like three, three for 50, maybe three for 45. I feel like it wouldn't even take that much. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, they, they it's, basically hard to, yeah, it's hard to say how much. Give away for free. I would say, yeah, I guess since his club option is 15 million and that Mariners aren't picking up because I, but I feel like his club option is definitely similar to like the Brad hand situation last season where the guardians didn't pick up a $10 million option. And then that signed him for like 10 and a half. Um, yeah. So that it was like, that was actually what he was kind of owed, but this team just didn't want to pay him that. Uh, I can see Seager being the same of being around a 15 million per year for, you know, a short, very short term. Yeah. So. And it would be interesting. I mean, they're, I think they're from Charlotte. Yeah. So, I mean, it well, my, be my hope would be, it'd be like, a, yeah, it'd be like Ashley and Sydney Weber from backyard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you put them both or Ahmed and Amir Khan, you put just, them both just on an the old same version. Team, yeah. And they just do way better together. Yep. Can't separate them. Get those right. bonus stat baseballs. So that sets up the infield. We're done yeah. there. So that means that was infield and down to what? 43 million. What are yeah. we giving him? 15. Yeah. I'd say 15. It said 15 and 32. If you said 47 for both of them, I feel seems fair. Okay. So that'd leave you like 43 to 48 million. All right. Moving on to left field. I mean, obviously uh, you got to bring back uh, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. Cause nobody's picking up that mutual option, right? Well, I mean the Red Sox probably will, but I don't think Schwarber. Yeah, he's, he's going to take yeah, it. The funniest thing is that he's not, it's not even listed on uh, MLB trade rumors as it doesn't even say like mutual option. It's just already, he's just a free agent. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think the downside is he might've gotten too noticed at you know, the playoff, you know, with playing in Boston on uh, the playoff performance he had with the Red Sox that it's actually going to be competition for him. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time he's had, you know, a, a good season followed by a good playoff run. Though, of course, he wasn't a free agent coming off of it. But I mean, really, outside of last year and the weird COVID year, I mean, he's been a roughly the same hitter every year. You know, this year he was better, but you know, similar still. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah. the other question really is uh, the one reason why the Nats were able to get him for not too much money last off season is that a lot of teams weren't really sure whether they wanted to put him in the outfield. Yeah. Uh, and the Nats are one of the few teams that were just like, you know, it's, we can totally eat whatever he's going to do poorly defensively for what we think he can bring to us offensively. Uh, and they were absolutely correct about that. But uh, since uh, there's a lot of heat around the idea that the 2022 CBA is going to bring in a universal DH to the NL, that is, Going to mean that there's not many people as limited. Uh, suddenly, the pool is now limited just by teams that already have a DH, uh, which is pretty much, I think, the Yankees. Yeah. And not, not necessarily even them, because I think Joey Gallo is a free... Uh, no, he's not. He's signed through next year, I think. Yeah, signed I think through next year, that's right. He wasn't listed here. 
It's just he's all the article, all the articles about him in New York make it sound like he's a free agent and he's already well, leaving. Probably trade for him for next to nothing. Yeah, well, assuming the Yankees actually feel the same way as the reporters do, That's who, true, who's yeah. to say for sure? Yeah. So, I mean, I Schwarber would definitely be my first and second and third choice. Um, yeah, the outfield class isn't that good. I mean, you've got like Starling Marte, who was very good this year, but is old and players like him don't tend to age very well. I think he's going to get very highly paid. Conforto, you have to bet on him bouncing back. You have like Mark Conha, who outside of Oakland, nobody cares. Maybe you stick Brian at outfield. I mean, he's he's solid, but like he's... Jock Peterson. He shouldn't be anybody's first First choice, you know, yeah, Peterson or uh, Eddie Rosario. If you want, getting a lot of heat now in the World Series. Yeah. Um, I mean, JD Martinez might opt out. I can't remember what I saw last about that. I thought I thought there was an article um, about him, but he's only going to opt out if he thinks he can get twenty five mil a year. So that's true. So I mean, it's still not going to really fit the budget, yeah. even if you looked at Martinez. Um. But I mean, if he did, that would help in terms of getting other. And Andrew McCutcheon has a club option for fifteen million, which is a fascinating amount to me. <laughs> I could really see the Phillies go either way there. Uh, if he was a free agent, and also people didn't really want to pick, you know, pay him that much, I'd take Andrew McCutcheon. I like he's a cool dude. Yeah, I love McCutcheon. I think it'd be fun to put have him and Josh Bell. Um, bring back Josh Harrison again. Even though it makes absolutely no sense, there's no no position to put Josh Harrison. Um, unless, yeah, I guess you just wanted to get rid of Alcides Escobar, which you could, is fair. But it would be it would be an odd way to spend money. Hey, it's not our money. Yeah, but maybe McCutcheon was okay. He's been a decent the last couple of years. Not, you know, obviously not great, but he'd be serviceable. Uh, Castellanos is definitely opting out. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, well, is he? He's not even like listed on this page for MLB trade rumors. Unless they like only have him as a right fielder, which he he's does. listed as right Who? field on that MLB list. Hey, why is MLB trade rumors making that some corner outfielders are only right field or only left field? That makes absolutely no sense. Charlie Blackman is absolutely taking that player option. Oh, yeah. There's no way. <laughs> that was a poison pill. Kudos to his agents. So, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of interesting names. It'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of market Schwarber gets. I hope it, I mean, I would like him to make money because he's generally a good player, but I'd also like him to not make so much so that the Nationals could sign him. Um, I would say that there are enough decent-ish options here and you mostly are just looking for somebody who can kind of hit the ball for some power uh, based on what they're filling out the other roles with uh, that you really, realistically you can just say they're going to spend around 12 to 15 maybe even 10, like 10 to 15 million. So they'll just find somebody else on another shorter deal, basically. Yeah, yeah. Seems like uh, well, I don't, I'm trying to think of who would be a good fit in that because like Conforto on a bounce back 
would seem to make sense, but the uh, Mets will probably give him a QO, so that wouldn't be enough. Actually, he's been quite good know, this year. Conforto could definitely end up getting the QO, not pick up the QO, and then be like somebody who only signs for like one year, $8 million, because nobody wants to get the, take the QO kind take of thing. penalty. The only hey, thing is like there's no other outfielders. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jack Peterson, I would say, would be somebody who would probably fit. Yeah. Just because even on in Atlanta, he's not starting every day. Has Jorge Soler hit too well with the Braves to fit into this conversation at this point? I doubt it. I mean, like he's pretty much a pure DH if you really are thinking about it. Right. And he also had some terrible – he was like terrible last year, I think. Last he like, had been, one right? like breakout year with the Royals and then – I think followed it up with like two poor years and then da, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's like 2019, 2018, 2019 was good. 2020 was falling off this year. He's fallen off further with the Royals. He was doing really badly and then kind of right the ship with Atlanta. But even then the full, the sum total of that season is still below what he did last year, which was way below what he had done in his two breakout years. So, I don't think Soler will get a lot of money either. He's Kyle Seeger without a position and also is much younger and shouldn't be declining like this if he's actually good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say you could probably assign like a, an average of $12 million to that position. That One of those names we mentioned, Schwarber, Peterson, uh, Soler, other Conforto maybe. That group together, Kanha, that group together, I would say you could average to be like, you're probably going to get, you could probably get one of them for around $12 million. I would, I would be okay with rolling dice with on Conforto and seeing what happened with that. Yeah. So that would put you around 31 to $36 million for, you'd have, you're looking at one more bench bet, one or two. One, so you'd say if you if you kept Escobar, uh, and we say, uh, are we going to put Victor Robles as the starting center fielder or Thomas? Because I think he, he, I I would say I would go with Robles starting center field again, unless he just really tanks in spring training. Because um, I think you kind of you got I think we talked. I think we talked about it before that I think, you know, you're best off if Lane Thomas is somebody who's making, you know, three to four starts a week in a bunch of different positions, giving people time off is your late game substitute for, you know, Chuck Peterson or Jorge Soler or any of those, you know, Kyle Schober. None of those guys are guys we want standing in left field uh, late in games. Uh, and watching as another ball goes flying over their head that they should have been able to catch. Um, so I, I would say I would probably have Lane Thomas as a bench guy and Robles starting. But between the two, you kind of have center field. Yeah, yeah you, you'd have good central point. coverage. So I would say, say if you say Robles is your starting center fielder, then your benches, you have Lane Thomas, Riley Adams, um, Alcides Escobar or somebody like him. We'll just leave him uh, as your kind of middle infield replacement. 
And then the question would be, I would say between Yadiel Hernandez and Andrew Stevenson, you would kind of decide one of those guys would be your, your fifth outfielder. You decide whether you'd want a more defensive guy like Stevenson or if you want more of a hitter like Hernandez. Uh, and then you would look for probably one other bench bat somewhere in kind of like how Ryan Zimmerman was this year. Uh, can kind of be more of a corner infielder uh, and hits, you know, more of just a pure hitter. Especially if there's use. a DH, then you'd probably, I assume you'd probably just right. keep Yadiel. Yeah, and if you have, you have yeah. a DH, then you'd definitely go for like Yadiel Hernandez or somebody better. Uh, if you have the, if you have the money. Yeah. To get a serious DH, you could do that. But Yadiel Hernandez, I think, would be a serviceable DH fill-in. Yeah, especially at league minimum mm-hmm. or whatever. I assume he's a league so, minimum. Yeah, so I think, I think you'd be looking for one more bench bat, but it would be less than $3 million on that. So I'd say if you average that to two. So going into the pitching staff you'd have around 29 to $34 million to work with. And we have how many relievers on the list already? <laughs> it sounds really great. You're like, oh, wow, we got to the pitching staff already. We still have $30 million. Like, this is going pretty well. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's like an entire bullpen. Um, a whole bullpen and likely two starters. I would say just... I would say... For this exercise, you'd have to kind of assume Will Harris and Steven Strasburg aren't ready to go the start of next year. Uh, so that gives you two starting pitchers and Josiah Gray and Patrick Corbin. Uh, and in terms of relievers, just because they need so many of them, I think you're going to have to stick around with... Uh, you'd have to keep Tanner Rainey. You'd have to keep Kyle Finnegan. Um, and since at least they, was okay... Yeah, I, I would say Mason Thompson. Um, yeah. I mean, you sort of just was, like somebody out of that group. Yeah, Mason Thompson and, and maybe, yeah, I think even Machado uh, or Suero. I don't think you'd go with Suero again. I, yeah, I guess Machado was okay. So I'd say like those four. Um, but if you can bump them to low leverage yeah. roles, that'd be great. It's but, not that bad. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, yeah, so I'd say you have four league minimum guys which is nice so that's only you know two million dollars to two and a half million dollars um and you have right and you add in josiah gray so let's say that's three million dollars for one starter four relievers so you are down to 26 to 31 million dollars to fill three spots in your rotation and to fill four spots in your bullpen. Since it's a 26-man roster now. This going to be good. Is there... Is there a... A starting pitcher that we can kind of feed to the Wolves until Strasburg is ready? Yes, Patrick Corbin. <laughs> Besides Patrick Corbin, um, I you could bring Eric Fetty back for like a million dollars if you really wanted to. I mean, that um, kind of seems like the play. Yeah, I, if you're just gonna say that this is our our Steven Strasburg spot, and either Strasburg comes back and 
we might have a competitive team or he doesn't. And Fetty is perfect garbage team mm-hmm. innings filling for the you know, less than $2 million. Uh, yeah. So I would say Fetty, I guess you would bring back for that reason um, and pencil him into that spot for now. Trying to go back to uh, the MLB trade rumors projections for Fetty. They have at $2 million. So, this year. Yeah, or you could say Austin. If you want to go with Austin both, he's only projected for $1 million. So um, I think Fetty sort of was a little bit better. He could kind of go later in game. So yeah, so $2 million for Eric Fetty is just either you'll be out of here by the end of April as Strasburg comes back, or you'll be here to eat innings as we tank one more time. That's a pretty good value. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'd, I'd say pencil him in. So that puts us 24 to 29 million left. Two rotation spots. Four bullpen members. And as Sean rightly pointed out, your ideal would be that these four bullpen members are all at or good. better than the four that are already on the on the list. But all of those are like your your should be your worst arms in the bullpen. Fortunately, um, that's not going to happen. That's almost certainly not going to be the case. Uh, well, even I mean, if they starting, signed the expensive guys, they it still wouldn't be the case because they would all turn into pumpkins once they come here. Yeah, so, I mean the, the sad part is you know starting pitching. You, I would really want somebody like. I mean, I would have loved to have Marcus Stroman. He's a cool guy. He's a free agent, right? Now I'm not mm-hmm. seeing him on yeah, the list. Yeah, he's a free agent. He's out of our price range, though, I think. Yeah, I mean, no, Scherzer is going to be out. If you only out. have... Ray's out. Yeah, if you only have $24 million left. That's weird. Oh, I'm looking at... I accidentally went back to 2022, 2023. Um, <laughs> I like they have a list here. I mean, all the trade rumors. Trevor Bauer can opt out of the remaining two years. I don't oh, think he'll oh, do that. Yeah, I don't think so. That'd be a hell of a decision. Um, oof. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Bundy, if you wanted to try to bet that you could get his 2020 again. How bad was he last year? It says a 2.1 war. Okay. I don't know what that actually equates to statistically. Well, so. on, yeah, but on baseball reference, he's negative 0.3. So clearly he had a decent FIP, and holy crap, he had a 6 ERA. So whatever that's, that's he good. figured out last year, he very quickly forgot. So that would be a bet. Kevin Gausman. I mean, you can really go with any of the Giants. But he really started falling off then near the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Descafani has no track record otherwise of being good. So, So does MLB have their own war calculation? Possibly. Because I'm looking at MLB's list of free agents, Mm -hmm. they list age and then war next to them. Well, it might be projected war for next season. Is that what it is? Like, read somebody off. I'm looking at the fan graphs. 
one right now. No, ranked by Fangraphs wins above replacement across 20, oh, 20 and 21. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And so he's just, like, he was, he was, he was two a point. zero last year. Yeah. And then two <laughs> in 2020. He's two yes. in 2020 and negative this year. Okay, um, that makes way more sense. Got it now. <sighs> like he wasn't even showing up on my list. Oh, now he, yeah, now he shows up. All right, well, I'm looking at a list that doesn't have war next to it. So I like trying to remember if any of these people are good and I'm kind of feeling none of them are. So TJ or any of these starting pitching options besides Marcus Stroman and Clayton Kershaw, any good at all? Max Scherzer, Carlos Rodon, Robbie Ray. Ray. Those guys are all going to be out of the price range. Eduardo Rodriguez. I think the list probably starts at Desclafani, Stephen Matz, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, John Gray. God, that all sounds terrible. Rich Hill, Corey no. Kluber, Pineda, Grinky, Waka. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Duffy. No, no, no. J Hap, Smiley, Cindergard. Cindergard may not be that expensive coming off the injury, but he's probably going to get the QO, though. Um. Yeah, and who knows? He only pitched like zero games, eight pitches yeah. at the end of last season. Yeah. And Duffy, yeah. And I'm trying to think. I don't think Duffy actually, no, he did start, but he got injured. He only pitched 61 innings. Didn't he get traded to like the Dodgers or somebody and not pitch for them? Yes. Giants? Yes. Yeah. No, nah, Dodgers, you're right. Yeah, there's Danny Duffy to the Dodgers. Duffy to the Dodgers, and he never pitched for them. It's going to be ugly. This is not a good year for starters. No, I mean, especially not mid-level. Yeah, especially because Granky really fell off. But you could get him for pretty cheap. That would be an interesting one. You know, who's a guy that had a 1.9 FR season and could probably be pretty cheap? Has a track record. He almost won a Cy Young before. I think he was I better than like where this Steven Strasburg at, at some point. Uh, so the Mets fans told us. Matt Harvey? Oh, if that happens, How did he finish with the Orioles? The I felt like he did sort of okay at one point, but well, in, in games against us, he was great. That's true. Otherwise, six point two seven ERA, so still sadly not worth it. Justin Verlander is a free agent. He was injured. Is he coming back? I think his is like an opt out deal too, so he may just not opt. I out. mean, they're kind of. Oh, is it? And they just don't list it as an opt-out? Because he's not showing up on my list, which means there's an option of oh, some okay. sort. It just says signed through 2021 to year 66 million on baseball reference. Or maybe it's like a opt-in. Yeah, the MLB list isn't showing an opt-out. Yeah, it's he's a free agent. But I mean, I don't even know if he's going to be healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that might be what you end up doing. You just make a superstar team. Here, right, here is our starting rotation. We got Steven Strasburg. We got Justin Verlander. We got Noah Syndergaard. Are any of these guys going to pitch? Who the hell knows? Apparently, the Astros are going to give him a QO. Wow. Okay. I well, guess I got, that means they I think, think he's healthy. Probably going to pitch. Yeah, so great. So Strowman is cool, but they clearly with whoever else is a free agent is going to get gangbusters money. Rodon is a fascinating one, considering he is already he's going to be 29 next season, and has only had one good season, but it was a very good season, and it was his most recent. 
He may Robbie not Ray. get that much though, because he's never healthy. Yeah, like true. ever. Well, and that, that's going to be interesting. One with Robbie Ray, I was going to say he also. Well, he I, he had like one good season three years ago, and then had another good season last this current season, and then that otherwise has been pretty terrible. So I have no idea what you pay somebody who's thirty year old with that thirty with that track record either. Well, somebody's going to pay him a lot of money for it. Yeah. Oh, we could get James Paxson for our injured rotation. Oh, this is going to be perfect. We'll fit in great. And Clayton Kershaw. So there you go. It's going to have Steven Strasburg, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, Noah Syndergaard, and Justin Paxton. Be the greatest rotation of all time. <laughs> Asking James Paxton From to change his name to Justin. Yeah, going to change his name to Justin. James Paxton. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. And who knows if any of them will actually pitch a single inning. Do any of those deals come with a time machine? <laughs> yes, but that unfortunately eats up the remaining four million dollars you would have left over Son of for a signing bitch. all four of those guys for only five million dollars each. Um Yeah, so I mean I don't think you would I don't think there's anybody since we said they can't really go for Strowman and I don't I think they're below I think they're even below like Scherzer at this point. Oh, yeah. They're not gonna be able to pay if they paid that they would be stuck with nothing they'd have no other money yeah so the only way they get scherzer back is it's one of those where the owner is like that money we don't care about mm-hmm. if the learners are like we want him back yeah and that money and it's irrelevant back. it's not part of the rest of the budget it is outside of the budget yeah that's possible so i i think it's gonna be i would say you have you have your three guys Fetty, Gray, Corbin, awful. Hoping Strasburg gets healthy soon. Um, one of those fairly under, a fairly underwhelming name for like twelve million dollars, uh, and then a very probably injured or old. So like somebody like either Granky or Rich Hill, where it's really questionable whether they can actually do anything anymore. So this year's Lester. This year's John Lester, yeah, yeah. for like seven million. How much did they sign John Lester for? I think it was five. Yeah, it wasn't much. Uh, my my one question here, though, while we are still on pitchers, it actually has nothing to do with the Nats. Who is going to woefully overpay for Kevin Gaussman? Mets. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. <laughs> It would be hilarious Stroman, to me if Stroman like, and Syndergaard potentially leaving. Of course, they're just going to randomly pick whoever was just really good last year <laughs> for part of the year. Not even like they're not even going to like shell out for Robbie Ray or Rodon, somebody who was actually really good the whole year last year. They're just going to go with somebody who was good until like July and be like, "There you go, that's our guy. He's a little bit cheaper because everybody else knows it's fake." <laughs> and we're the Mets. You know, I'm not That's really funny. liking this list of relievers either. It's a bad year to be shopping for your entire team. Baseball reference doesn't even say what John Lester signed with the Nats for. They just have that he was bought out by the Chicago Cubs of his contract option for $10 million. I can find it. $5 million. $5 million. Okay. Yeah, so $5 million, $12 million, $17 million. 
that leaves you seven to twelve million, I think, um, maybe five to I think five to ten million for for bullpen members. So, Sean, not only is one of them not going to be better than what's the other four, I think none of them. Will none be. of them are absolutely zero. So it's just a bunch of garbage cheap. I don't think it's even worth looking at who is available because I don't think you could afford anybody of any interest. How about Brad hands? You want to bring him back? Uh, If I'm bringing somebody back, if I'm bringing a left-handed pitcher who used to close games for the nationals, but is probably completely washed. Now I'm bringing back Sean Doolittle. He at least is cool and follows. Oh, there he is. He's all the way down there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you could go for like a suicide squad thing and you, you sign Hunter Strickland, Brad hand, use Mario Petit. Yeah. That's the side that makes me want to here. Who I also hate as much as those other three. Drew Storen. Uh, We'll see if it was Mike Rizzo, he would put Brandon Kinsler in that list since he hates yeah. him. <laughs> Trevor uh, Rosenthal. I kind of like Kitzler. Trevor Rosenthal, is he a free agent again? Yeah. Oh, yep, there he is. Trevor Rosenthal. There you go. Hey, we can bring Ross Detweiler back. There's there your go. suicide squad. Bring back Br- Nationals Fucking legend Mara Brad Petit. Boxberger. Ismail <laughs> Petit is a sneaky person to hate. So you you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, he did really well in that 2014 NLDS. I get that. We're like, no, what's really annoying is he did that. Then the Nats signed him in 2015 and he just sucked for them. Then he left the Nats and has now for six years been really good. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck, dude? It's like defying the age and screw us in the playoffs. We bring you onto our team. You then suck and then leave and apparently are great. Like, get out of here, man. <laughs> what the fuck's that about? Um, they could sign Brad Boxberger for the 18th time in the last four years. Maybe actually bring him up this time. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Archie Bradley is probably going to be way too much money. Yeah, I, hope I mean, they find somebody in the bargain bin this year that actually works. Like every, I feel like every other team is able to find guys in the bargain bin, and we never find. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Hudson's useful. a free agent again. Maybe he would be cheap enough since he's 35. I think he got blown up in uh, San Diego too, right? I believe yeah, he did not, do, did not well. do that well with them. So maybe sign him back and see if it's just a thing he can only do well for Washington. I'd be fine with that. Uh, Here we go. Let's bring back Tyler Clipper, 37-year-old Tyler Clipper. Yeah. He's only 37? I felt like he was like 50. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> he keeps doing it. Uh, Mark Hell, Melanson, you could, here's game. another guy you could bring back. Uh, Melanson, also 37. Craig Stammen is 38, but he has a $4 million club option. So I don't know. That, that, I don't think the Padres would pick that up, but the buyout's a million dollars. So is it really worth the $3 million savings? I mean, I don't know what he was like this year, but he's been solid. He was not year. that good this year, I don't okay. think. But I think he also started some games for them when they lost all their starting pitchers. Just wild. How many different starting pitchers the Padres have traded for 
in the last two years with Darvish and Snell and Clevenger and Musgrove. Has Clevenger even pitched for them yet? Uh, he pitched twenty twenty part of twenty twenty. That that's when he got injured. So he got yeah. injured on the Padres. Okay. Um, Stanton had a good year. Oh yeah, he did have a good year. Uh, twenty twenty is when he had a bad year. God, yeah, he, he, was okay. p- he pitched eighty eight in the third innings. Yeah, so they're definitely he's in their list of top twelve players by war. As is Mark Melanson. That's not good. And okay, trying to think. Oh. Oh no, Paddock has always been on their team. So I think that's everybody they trade uh traded for. Yeah, because Lament Denilson Lament was also on their team. But it's just crazy that they traded for all those starters and then were so desperate that they were making starts with Craig Stammen and they picked up Vince Velasquez and Jake Arietta off of waivers in August. It's like wow, no wonder they collapsed. <laughs> but everybody's gonna be mad at Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, and it's like, what the fuck were they supposed to do? Score 20 runs every game? Yes. With that starting pitching you're running out? So, um, yeah, so it's got not going to really look good for the bullpen. Uh, as Sean said, you're just going to kind of have to hope that you somehow, for once, pull the right people out of the bargain bin. Um, which we have, which Mike Rizzo and staff have literally negative track record of doing, so... Yeah. First time will be the best time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, you wait. That's why I say, you know, if you wait next year, then you get Will Harris's $8 million off the books. Um, maybe Patrick Corbin has a slightly better year and you can try to clear that contract. Uh, so, I or the other thing is you go cheaper at third base. Um and you get somebody closer to like a jo- what you got with Josh Harrison. I don't know exactly what Harrison would sign for this year. Since I think he did decently, I don't know. I actually have, know how he did with the A's. Yeah, I think he was fine. Besides that they didn't make the playoffs, but I think he was fine with them. I don't remember him falling off. It's like somebody like that for like, you know, five million, $1 million. Wow, he was only signed for a million dollars. That's amazing. Uh, he was a 79 OPS plus with the A's. Oh, so not good. After 120 with the Nationals, so you could probably get him for a million. So you He'll could make it 12 for us. So I guess that would be the bigger question, since we kind of started position by position, but now coming to the end when you don't really have that much money left for either a decent starting pitcher or any relief pitchers that you would like, would you? just go with like Josh Harrison or somebody like that as Drupal Cabrera for a million dollars to be your starting third baseman, save, you know, 10 million, 12 million, save $11 million on that and bring that over to the pitching side instead. That would give you, you know, 35 to 40 million to play with for your two starter, your three starters and or your two starters and four relievers, uh, which you then you, you either could get somebody like Marcus Stroman uh, to eat most of that, and then you know kind of have cheaper relievers, uh, get one you know more like Cadillac reliever for fifteen million dollars, and then have twenty million to kind of spread between some of the other spots. Or, I mean, my thing is going that route. It just 
looking at who's available here, mm-hmm. it doesn't really move the needle. And because the list is so bad, the guys that are not that exciting at the top are going to cost a ton just because yeah. they're still better than the rest of the crap. I mean, and I mean they're the cream even, of the crap. Not even at the top. Like, I mean, looking at this, Marcus Stroman is like three. So it's like the ninth one down on this list. They're just ordered by war over the last two years. But yeah. I mean, that man's going to get paid. Right. Because like, I can talk myself how weak like, this list is. Yeah. Water Rodriguez, I could do that, but he'll get paid. I mean, like, let's be honest. Clayton Kershaw is not going anywhere. Odds are Max Scherzer probably isn't going anywhere. They're the people, the Dodgers are the ones who have the money to go, oh, you want $40 million for two years? Cool. Here, have it. Yeah. I mean, Strowman could be worth the money, though. I mean, he opted out 2020. And he had a bad 2018, but he clearly had some sort of injury issues. Uh, I don't remember what it was. But I mean, 2017, his ERA plus was 145. 2019, it was 137. And then 2021, it was 133. Uh, and he's putting up you know, decent FIPS. A little bit, FIPS were a little bit worse than the ERA, but you know, he's also kind of a ground ball pitcher. So it's expected to be able to be a bit better in ERA. So, I mean, Stroman could actually be worth a decent chunk of change. I guess the question though would be is, is he only going to get 20 to 22 million per year? Or is it going to be like, there's nobody else around. So somebody's going to drop, the angels are going to come drop 30 million per year yep. on Marcus Stroman or something crazy. 100%. No, they I mean, won't do that because he's a pitcher. Him, Kevin Gossman, uh, and like we were talking about, Robbie Ray, like those guys that you would – granted, Robbie Ray is going to be coming off of a Cy Young or near Cy Young season. Yeah. His track record sucks, um, but he's still going to get massive money just because there's nobody here. Yeah. So you, take so, so you would say you'd, pro- you'd probably list. just load up offense. Yeah see what you can find in the bargain basement pitching wise and kind of hope the rest, the hopes are going to kind of rest on Steven Strasburg can both get back and be effective. And Patrick Corbin can kind of figure out how to be effective. uh, And Josiah Gray can take the next step in his development and be that solid number three pitcher behind those two guys, which is a lot of ifs. True. But I think Gray making the step is the biggest thing. Yeah. If he can step in and be your three, suddenly yeah. trying to fill the four and five, you can make that a revolving door of like, you know, minimum or guys who are out of jobs. Mm-hmm. Bring them in, see how they do. They don't be great. Okay, on to the next one. Right. Yeah. No, and no, also I, you I, got I, your only good prospect in the system that hasn't been up yet is Kate Cavalli, and he could be up as soon as this year. Right. You know, he's not going to be able to last the whole season, but. And who's the the other kid? Don't they have two pitchers? Rutledge. Jackson Rutledge. Jackson Rutledge. He was he's a, a step behind. Yeah. He missed. Further back. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the year, but he could shoot oh. up quickly if he's healthy. Right. And Cavalli is an interesting spot where you could. I think you can make very solid arguments that he'll be ready in 2023. And also that he, he really slowed down at the end of last year 
Um, and you can see the strikeouts, but he's going to take longer to really learn how to pitch correctly. Um, but yeah, I, I think that could be a good plan as well. You know, TJ, like you say, uh, which is I agree, it, it might just be you know, spend the money on offense. This this season, they'll be competitive if Strasburg and Corbin are good, or if they're not, it's going to turn into a, a tanking year. And what you want to just see is Josiah Gray takes that next step to be a solid three, maybe a two, you know, great three, lower end two. Uh, and then also hopefully in the minors, you see Kate Cavalli taking that next step and be ready to come in 2023 and, you know, be full time. And hopefully Sean, like say Jackson Rutledge kind of shoot up, uh, really start polishing things and also be ready to start in 2023. And then you can say, okay, we're going to run, you know, we'll still have Corbin. We'll still have Strasburg, hopefully another year away from that injury. Hopefully he'll, he'll be more effective. And okay. Now the back three is now gray Cavalli Rutledge and all those guys are making league minimum. Mm-hmm. And then you're in a really good spot where you say, okay, well now we have this next year. You take $8 million off for, uh, Will Harris, and you say, okay, we have four, maybe five bullpen spots we need to fill, uh, and we need to get Josh Bell or somebody like him back for first base, but then that's it. That's all we have to do, and we have around $30 million to do that. That's a lot more of a tenable situation where you say, okay, bring me back another, you know, bring Josh Bell back on four for $48 million. Uh, and then now we have $18 million. We can get one pretty solid reliever for around 10 to 12 mil, three other guys at an average of 2 million each, which can be veterans, but not necessarily solid guys. Uh, and then you can say, okay, we, again, 2023, it's another step up from 2022. We're looking a little bit more solid uh, that way. So, but I mean, unfortunately, that's also the game they played on the offensive side in 2021 when they traded everybody. And like, okay, now we got Robles is starting. All the, you know, we got Robles in center. We got Luis Garcia at second base. We have Carter Gibbon at third base. We have Gabriel Ruiz and Riley Adams at catcher. We need these guys. If these guys can stick at these positions, then we have a lot of holes filled for very cheap, and that makes it easier to do the pitching. Um, and I think, unfortunately, with the way Keyboom tanks, you just can't rely on him uh, and should probably look, you know, with the way Garcia and Robles also played, you probably want to look for more offense at your corner at that third base position and get somebody like Kyle Seeger or somebody a little more expensive. Uh, and so then you're just not going to have the money for pitching uh, that you might have hoped at the trade deadline if, if things had broken right. Well, and I mean, let's be honest this may have actually broken the right way for them. Mm-hmm. Even though, even though that plan that they were looking at didn't go as planned. Again, looking at this list of starters and relievers that are here, you're going to be paying out the ass for guys that not to say they aren't good, but you're going to be overpaying mm-hmm. for anybody that's here. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think you're going to be paying more of a market value for paying for offense right now. Yeah. Looking at what's available. That's fair. No, that makes sense. So, 
that's kind of what my feeling was. I think going through the money, it really makes it obvious that that's going to have to kind of be the plan is that this year, the number one is get your shortstop, like Sean said at the beginning, because uh, there's a lot available that are really good. Lock that position down. Build on that offense in at your corner infield and your corner outfield position. Um, you'll really solidify your offense. Kind of be on a, hey, if things break right on the pitching side, and if they do, we're in close to contention. Uh, and then you can try to use that trade deadline to actually get a reliever who's good or two, uh, like they did in 2019. Um, or you get to the trade deadline and the pitching didn't work out and you, you know, whatever, you, if Will Harris came back and you can sign, trade him or whatever relievers you signed, if one of them is the one good one, uh, trade him to a contender for a, a lottery ticket. Um, potentially at that time, Kate Cavalli might be ready to get his toes wet and you, you bring him in and you shut Strasburg or Corbin, you know, whoever shut down for the year and you start giving Cavalli some innings in the majors to get ready. And you're, I, mean, I think their target has to be, uh, I think we're at like the beginning of 2011 where your target is in 2012, we're going to start competing. So 2023, this is when this team is going to come together. We're going to have the young players on the offensive side and the young players on the pitching side that we need to be able to have the budget to bring in the veterans to, to fill these other roles. Uh, and if it turns out we compete well this year, then, you know, Hey, awesome. We'll, we'll start investing in it this year, but otherwise our, our, our target is more 2023. Yeah. I mean, the goal for this year is improvement. Mm -hmm. And I mean, decent improvement, not, you know, a step forward. They're looking to, again, kind of like what you're saying, we're not looking to compete for the NL East, but being in the mix in July wouldn't be a bad thing. Don't right. embarrass ourselves. This Correct. We don't want to come out and be, you know, 25 games under 500 going into the all-star break. Yeah. Well, what is, I, I, the other thing is like the free agency in 2022, 2023, because like you made the point, TJ, that this off season, there looks like, enough good position players at all these different spots that you can definitely be paying what feels like a more market value. You know, you're not overpaying just because they're the only good ones there. You know, you're not paying a premium because there's a huge difference between number one and number two available. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't next off season. I don't know if the, the offensive side is quite the same. Uh, yeah, because I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot fewer names here. I mean, I, I don't say remember that. seeing a list like this for quite some time on the offensive side. Yeah. Typically, yeah, if we're going through these list of position players, it's a list of like, you know, six, maybe eight. But really, you want that top one or two names, and that's really the list you want to go after. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you were looking at shortstops next year, it's. Trey, Trey Turner, Turner. Turner. <laughs> Dansby Swanson, Didi Gregorius, uh, Xander Bogarts, if he decides to opt out, which I think actually he should. He's, mm -hmm. We'd only have three years, 60 million left, and he could definitely do better than that at age 30. Um, and then your other two, Tim Anderson, uh, if 
for some reason, the White Sox lose their mind and don't pick up his $12.5 million club option, um, which would be hilarious. Or Elvis Andrews, who has a $15 million club option, which will absolutely not get picked up, but you don't want him either. Can you believe he's only 34? It's wild. That's crazy. Actually, I think he's only going to be 34 next offseason. So he's only 33 right now, which is even weirder. He's going to be 34 for the next 34 years. <laughs> yeah. But like, oh, third baseman, there is absolutely nobody. Aldemis Diaz and Brandon Drury. Left fielders, Ben Attendee, Michael Brantley at 36. Well, third baseman will likely have Jose Ramirez. True. Because he has that's a club true. option this year. Yeah, that's weird. They don't have him listed. I don't know what's up with that. I don't think he has two club options. Because he had two club options, but I think that this, like 2021, I thought was the first of the two. But I might no, be mistaken. Maybe, maybe he does have a second one. But it's odd that he's not listed with the club option. Unless um, next year is his first of the two. I don't know. Yeah, nobody interesting on left field. Uh, except for... Uh, Virginia Tech Hokie great Chad Pinder will be a yeah. free agent. So maybe they can. Chris bring, Taylor, you have Chad Pinder for I literally mean, a tenth of the price. Best left fielder available next season is, would be a fight between Michael Brantley at 36, Justin Upton at 35, Adam Duvall, Duvall at 34, or Robbie Grossman, I guess. He's not even good, right? He hits for a low average, but he he has a good like on base and slugging numbers as he did for my fantasy team yeah. this year. So I mean, the, I think the good news is there's yeah, there's very clearly yo know, well yeah right field you do have corner outfielders you also Aaron Judge will be a free agent and and Joey Gallo. Um, so there'll be a little bit it, yeah I agree especially the positions they're looking for help there's not nearly as much depth. Um, the one thing that would be nice is if you're Robles Lane Thomas plan just completely fails. One of the few positions that actually has some three interesting names is center field. You have uh, Byron Buxton would be a free agent uh, and uh, Kike Hernandez and Brandon Nimmo. Man, what an ill-timed free agency for Kike Hernandez. He needed to do yeah. all that stuff this year. Next year. He needed to be, yeah, he needed to be a free agent this year. Yes. Like Jock Peterson. Uh huh. So. Yeah, Robbie Grossman had 23 homers and 20 steals for the uh, 2021 uh, Citizens of Nastown Fantasy Champion, Levon Lavita Loca. <laughs> oh, you were the champion, eh? Yeah. I actually had to go check that because I was like, did I win? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, my team did not do well this year. At all. <laughs> uh, starters next year, you got guys like Jose Barrios, Mike Clevenger. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, if he opts out of his one remaining contract season, Nathan Afaldi, uh, which DeGrom is definitely opting out. Yeah. This year would have a 12, $20 million club option with no buyout. So you would think at 39, he would probably get bought out. Uh, you wouldn't be paying him. Joe Musgrove would be available as kind of your second tier guy. Uh, Jamison Tyon, Trevor Williams, who I think is decentish but not great. Um, yeah, so you'd have a lot, a lot more interest in terms of the the. You'd actually have some top tier guys who aren't ancient. Um, 
and you'd have some some decent second tier options uh, and relief pitchers are relief pitchers. There's going to always be somebody decent available if you can find them. So, yeah, I and mean, I think they're in a decent spot. They just have to, you know, actually execute. Um, the worst thing we could see soon, uh, the worst sign for Nats fans would be if Sean, your your estimate is correct, and they end up non tendering or trying to or tender and trying to, you know, it comes out quickly that they're trying to trade josh bell um that would be a bad sign because then it doesn't look like they would be planning for this you know 2023 window at all uh, and then Which you have at that point to... they're not looking to keep Juan soda no not really if they're not looking to compete by year after next i mean they're not looking to resign him i, I may not jump jump all the way to there yet though because i mean bell is a He's a free agent after next season, though, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it may just be like, okay, he's a guy with one year left on his deal. We can probably find somebody similar in free agency. So, you know, might as well. Get something I, I would him. say that he would be a guy that you would just look to try to get an extension done yeah. with this offseason um, before he becomes a free agent. Because uh, he's still pretty young, uh, for especially for a first baseman. Since all those guys kind of do have to do his hit, um, you know, and he, I think he acquitted himself well with the Nationals after a very slow start to the season. He hit pretty well. He's already getting involved with the community pretty well. I think the fans generally like him. So mm-hmm. it would be odd to me if the move was we're going to trade him because, you know, he's not going to be with us when we're ready to be good again and not, we're going to sign him to like a four year, 48 million or so contract extension, you know, potentially pay him a little bit more, you know, buy out that arbitration year next year, pay him maybe a little bit more than you would have paid him through arbitration uh, to get a bit of a discount on, you know, three free agent years or, or four free agent years. If you do a five year deal for you know, 60 million. So, I think that would make more sense to do something like that. But so that, that would be concerning to me is if they went the other way with Josh Bell, I'm not sure that they're planning to be good at any time in the near future. Well, I guess the only other thing that we have to talk about here is um, all of these things that we just discussed are likely being put on hold uh, as news dropped yesterday day before yesterday that a work stoppage is quote almost certain starting december 2nd yeah okay they're not working in december anyways <laughs> well and was that actually quoting a an mlb source that said that or mm, let me see i think jacob rash pointed out that i don't know i didn't actually read the article but like if the idea is just that the cba expires December 1st and they might not have a deal then that there have been plenty of times in the past where both sides feel they're close enough to a deal that they just keep operating under yeah. the old terms, uh, you know, with the assumption that they'll eventually sign a new contract. And then it's not until, you know, they determine that they're not going to, they're not getting the new contract they want that one side or the other would, you know, make a more drastic move. So it looks like a quote from a reporter who has sources on both sides who say they're not close to 
okay. a deal being hammered out, which again, we're still a month plus from that date. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting as you to get see. closer to those things, it tends to make people, you know, light a fire under their ass to get something done. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, precisely what happens. I mean, I know in other leagues, NBA, the NFL, and the NHL, they've all, all the, in some of the more recent drama, they've, you know, the owners have moved to lock out the players pretty fast uh, and then tried to kind of frame it as the, the players striking and not them. Um, it'll be interesting whether MLB tries to take the similar tack. Uh, the MLB players union is definitely str- a lot stronger than any of the other player unions. Uh, so they might be able to fight back. Uh, MLB also has had you know more poor history um, in terms. I mean, NHL is also pretty bad. They also lost a complete season, but uh, and there was a good 20 years there where MLB kind of just got deals done because nobody wanted to repeat 1994 again. So, I mean, they lost what seven months or something like that. Yeah, they, and they lost the World Series for the first time. So, uh, and I think the NHL we've seen since their lockout in 2004, where they lost the whole season, there has not been too much in terms of labor strife between those two sides either. They, despite having a fairly contentious player union rep and Bettman being a, a pretty strong pro owner guy, they have not had that many issues. So uh, I think the, the interesting question will be is if we've now gotten far enough past 1994 and had enough turnover in terms of owners and, and obviously in terms of players, uh, whether there's more of an appetite for stronger labor or stronger ownership action uh, to try to force what they want uh, and, and lose games in the process. So hopefully not though. Yeah. One can hope. I mean, in the end, we're just talking about how to split up the money. Yes. So. All right. Anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Then, um, barring a work stoppage, we should likely be back around the uh, winter meetings sometime around there, because that's typically when free agency will be, you know, kind of starting to get rolling. So we'll be streaming uh, extra life. Yes. Yes. I almost got out of here without saying anything about that. Look at you, O'Hara. Yeah. So November 6th, we are streaming you know, all kinds of games starting about eight, nine o'clock in the morning, 24 hours, all benefiting children's national in DC. Um, you can go to, uh, the, the citizens of Natstown website. We will have a link there, uh, for where to go. So you can donate. So you can find more information, anything along those lines. There will also be a link in the show notes to this episode. Um, so just click down there, uh, take a look. It's, it's a really great cause. We've been doing it. This will be our 10th year doing this. Uh, and we've raised like, I think it's like $7,300 so far, um, over 10 years. So uh, not, not a bad go of it so far. Uh, but yes, 
until we see you all on the 6th, we are ghosts.